Welcome to Ava Podcast, Abilities Beyond Life Expectations. My name is Luke Ace Fidelli. Step into my world. Welcome back to Able Podcast, and we are pleased to have a writer, disability advocate, and leading influencer from within the disabled community, Lisa Cox. It's really great to be here. Nice to meet you, Luke. By all means, ask me whatever you would like to know. As as was previously mentioned, I'm a, a writer and a disability advocate, and wearing quite a few hats these days with work, but. My background's in media and advertising, so I'm trying to collaborate with brands and businesses to just help them better understand how to navigate the nuances of representation in, in mainstream popular culture because it's such a powerful medium for changing social attitudes towards disability. You said you wrote stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what about? I've written different pieces for all, all sorts of publications, either about my own stories or about disability generally. I'm, I'm very careful not to speak on behalf of everyone with a disability. I think that's the wrong thing to do. I've seen it done before. I just cringe. So I use myself as examples um, a lot of the time for, for how things have changed, I suppose. I'm in a position to have a before life and an afterlife. I acquired all of my disabilities at age 24, so I can remember life before and being able to compare and contrast those two extremes has been one of the things I've written about, whether it's, it's dating or employment or, or something completely different. Have you written any other books? Yeah, years ago I wrote books for young people about body image and media literacy. So I was doing a lot of speaking at the time and because I had that background in the media, I knew how images and all sorts of things were manipulated by the time they appeared in a magazine, like back in the days when magazines existed. And I was speaking to these young teenagers and none of them really had any idea about what was going on. And I remember being that age and just thinking that everything in in magazines, I didn't know about airbrushing, didn't know these these sorts of things existed. So I started speaking to teams about that, and part of that was also presenting another version of disability that wasn't something to pity or something like that. It was, I've got scars all over my body. I know you can only see from the neck up on this screen, but it's encouraging teenage girls who perhaps don't have disabilities to be confident, and guys as well, be confident with their bodies, even though um, either their minds or their, their physical bodies are a little bit different. That's okay. How do you get the scars? When I was 24, I was at Melbourne Airport. I was working full-time in advertising and went into the plane when I had a brain hemorrhage, like a stroke. So it was a, a stroke because a infection that caused that. They still don't know how I contracted it, but that's what happened. So I spent the next three weeks in a coma, two months on life support, and over a year in hospital after that. Uh, during that first year, my left leg 
all of my right toes and nine of my fingertips were amputated. I also had a heart surgery twice and a total hip replacement. So that's partly where I got all of my scars, scars and things from different operations and procedures. And these days I'm a wheelchair user full-time. I also have a prosthetic leg. But they're all of the disabilities you can see, although there are plenty you can't from my permanent brain injury. So my voice has been affected a little bit. I'm over 25% blind and I also have epilepsy and things like chronic pain and chronic fatigue that are daily challenges for me and they're, they're far more challenging than a wheelchair or a prosthetic leg. So even though that, that's what people see, um, they don't see the invisible disabilities, which are a much greater challenge in my life. Whoa. I just got epilepsy as well. I don't know what it's called, but... Um, and my voice is also going away. I got, like, a little magnet thing in my chest area to stimulate my the epilepsy thing. And wow. every now and then my voice goes away, like right now. So you go, like, going a lot, doing things for your life. Yeah, I, I love my life now, and I loved it before as well. And I suppose when I first acquired the disabilities, all I had in my head were these stereotypes from what I'd seen on TV over over the years and viewed in popular culture. And all I knew was that life with disabilities was going to be sad and miserable and not worth living. But that's complete and utter bullshit. So <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm working now with all sorts of different people trying to um, get rid of those stereotypes and rewrite the narratives around disability. What are you proud of? Hmm, good question. I, I know there are lots of professional accomplishments that I've been proud of. Before my disability, I was, you know, proud of my university degrees and things like that. But then... Once you've been in a coma and your parents have been told they're going to have to turn off your life support, just getting out of a coma and off life support is by far my biggest achievement. (laughs) It's not very exciting to anybody else. But, yeah, there there are some professional achievements, but I think just coming out of the coma and my body putting up a good fight against the infection and everything is probably my, my proudest achievement by far. I know that I was asked last year to be in your fashion week on the virtual runway. I thought, this is really exciting. I'll try and think of a way to tell my Instagram audience about this. So instead of putting up a pretty picture with a heap of makeup on, I just put a picture of me having just come out of coma still in my Instagram feed and said that being in your fashion week or being asked to be a part of it was really, really exciting. But definitely don't top coming out of the home and off life support. That's that will always be something I'm most proud of. When you were out of the coma, you took a picture of you getting out of the coma and put it on Instagram or I've, something. I've seen a few of them. I have no recollection of that period. I have um, several months of amnesia, so before and after the stroke, I don't remember a thing where I was living, working. Nothing. Whoa. So my family all jumped on a plane and came to Melbourne, where I was at the time, and stayed um, in intensive care with me for two months, sleeping on the floor of the hospital and 
all, all sorts of other places where they could find the spare bed. And um, finally, they let me come back to Brisbane because they knew I'd be in hospital for quite some time and having lots of operations, which was the case. So they knew that I'd have to come back to Brisbane where my family was because it was just not reasonable that they all be down there sleeping on the the floor of the, the hospital and things like that. I actually have a question for your Instagram. How did you, like, blow up, you know, like, followers? I don't think I have blown up really um and i have i have a really really like community i also have i don't want to be mean but some people leave some interesting comments on <laughs> so i suppose i use i use instagram differently to a lot of people i don't put up a, it's it's not about bikini shots and everything being perfect i put up sometimes the articles i've written or talk about my anxiety and mental health challenges and things like that. So I get a little bit frustrated with social media sometimes that it's just a highlights reel. And it's only this perfectly curated series of events. So rather than just complain about things, the way things were, it was an opportunity for me to, to be the change that I wanted to see, so to speak. So that's why I started doing what I'm doing. But I've been doing it for five years. Oh, it certainly wasn't an overnight or anything. It's been many, many years of work. You're talking about Instagram. Media, um, including the time that I wasn't disabled, I've been doing media and business stuff now for about 20 years. I'm an old lady. (laughs) (laughs) I like the mug. <laughs> it's a cool mug. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> what are some hobbies that you're interested in? Hobbies. I love listening to audiobooks. So I can't. I can't read anymore. I used to be a voracious reader, but even though I can, I can read. Reading a, a proper big big book is um is not something with my eyesight. That's that's an option anymore. So I love books and podcasts and things like that. I'm also a massive gym junkie, so I try to get to the gym each weekday, and it's it's a great way to start to start my day. I think helps helps me sort my head out and everything else. But that's something that I was doing pre disability as well. Of course, he says it looks very different. I can't use half of the equipment and lift much smaller weights, but. Um, that's definitely my biggest hobby apart from hanging out with my puppy dog and my husband and um, things like that. I'd love to travel, but we can't travel at the moment with COVID, so that's off the table for a while. What kind of dog do you have? Poodle. So I'm also a dog person, not that man, but it's a cross between a poodle and a Maltese terrier. So sitting here at the moment on my wheelchair, he gets in my wheelchair sometimes I'm in this chat in front of the computer but um he's <laughs> he's been quiet so far so fingers crossed he stays like that he's made a few guest appearances on interviews before had a little little yeah where else can we uh see on social media stuff I know like yeah. it's easily Instagram and stuff yeah the um the easiest place 
my website is lisacox.co, L-I-S-A-C-O-X.co, and that's also my Instagram handle. Yeah. But even though I am or I do have profiles on other platforms, I'm really not there. <laughs> you can, yeah, check it out on Instagram, you're more than likely to get a reply as opposed to a LinkedIn or something like that. Thanks for your time, Lisa, uh, for Able Podcast. Another Podcasts West Production.